we're going to turn our attention now uh, to um, the outrage and um, disaster happening in Haiti, across the nation of Haiti. Millions of people are calling for the resignation of President Jovenel Moïse for several years since his election in 2017. Haitians have been participating in mass protests against his government. Moïse has been accused of rampant killings, human rights violations, and acts of corruption. Protesters have also demanded better living conditions, and Moïse has been ruling by decree since January of 2020, when the terms of two-thirds of the parliament expired. And um, the crisis in Haiti just really continues. And the people of Haiti, the first black republic that led to the ending of slavery in the Americas, and they have been punished for that ever since, and have long been undermined by foreign powers, including uh, the United States and their allies on the ground. From being forced to pay reparations for liberating itself in 1804, to being infected with cholera by so-called peacekeepers in 2010, to the U.S.-backed um, overthrow of Jean-Bertrand Aristide, um, still very much beloved on the ground in Haiti and was the first democratically elected uh, president to a series of U.S.-backed fraudulent uh, presidential elections. The people of Haiti are saying they have had enough. And the communities where uh, there have been strong resistance against Jovenel Moïse, they have been specifically targeted. Other communities have been targeted, but uh, beginning with the massacre in, in La Saline, um, very much a stronghold of Lavalas, which is the movement and party of uh, President Aristide. And now on Thursday, April 1st, Haitian Death Squad G9, led by Jimmy Barbecue uh, Scherzer, massacred residents of the Bel Air section of Port-au-Prince, the nation's capital. They arrived unannounced, brandishing heavy artillery as they scaled the roof houses, firing shots and setting homes ablaze. This, according to the Miami Herald. Uh, but to get a sense now of the impact of these massacres, let us go to a clip um, of testimony that we took the Sojourner Truth team when we were on the ground in uh, La Saline, where um, a series of massacres had taken place. And we were the first uh, international news outlet on the ground. Let's hear some of that testimony now. How many of these kinds of shootings have been happening in this area? About eight times. And have people been um, killed or wounded in these shootings? Yes, people have been wounded. People have been wounded, but also people have been killed. But not only they've been killed with the bullet, but they also they burned them. About how many people have been killed and how many wounded? So it's very difficult like, to tell. It's difficult to have like a clear number because there's so many people who come from all over Haiti to live like in this community. So vaguely I would say like she's saying that it will be like like approximately like three thousand people like wounded and, and, and murdered like in this kind of attacks. 
were the people impacted who were killed or injured? Were they all men or were they men, women, and children? There's like children, youth, adult. They all are victims of this kind of attacks. So this community, La Saline, has a reputation of like revolution. They don't really stand with dictatorship since the Makut under the Duvalier. And still now, children here, youth and adults, have like the blood of revolution. So that's why the government doesn't like this community. All righty. Well, that is as part of the testimony that we took on the ground in La Saline. And now to get the latest update on what is happening on the ground, we'd like to welcome back uh, to Sojourner Truth, Pierre Laboissier, one of the most respective progressive uh, voices on Haitian politics. Pierre Laboissier has dedicated his entire adult life advocating for the working poor in Haiti through the Haiti Action Committee, an organization that he co-founded, Pierre Laboissier has tirelessly championed grassroots efforts to improve education, bring about social justice, and develop a stable democracy for the people of his native uh, land, uh, Haiti. Pierre Laboissier, welcome back. Thank you, Margaret. Good morning. Yes, um, Pierre, just, you know, I get chills every time, you know, listening to that testimony uh, from La Saline. And this man, uh, known as Barbecue, uh, Jimmy Barbecue Cherizer, he was involved in the La Saline uh, massacres, one of, one of the first of, of a series of massacres uh, taking place on the ground in Haiti. But he is known, uh, first of all, to have connections with the uh, Jovenel Moise's government in Haiti, but also he has been identified as being involved in a series of massacres, but yet he is still walking the streets, holding press conferences, etc. Tell us about this Haitian death squad G9 that uh, Barbecue seems to head, Pierre Lebossier. Yes. yes. Um, since the massacre of La Saline that you have covered, Margaret, um, the Jimmy Cherizier, with the help of the Haitian government and the United Nations, has been able to uh, put together a federation of what they refer to as gangs, but what I prefer to call death squads, uh, throughout the Port-au-Prince area. And so they have come together, they have federated them, and they call them G9 and family, G9 family and allies. And, uh, and why I mentioned the UN, it's not just to mention it like that, because this was stated by a representative of the Haitian government, supposedly in a program aiming at disarmament, which most observers see as a cover to encourage, to finance the development of, of this federation of, of uh, gangs, as the press refers to them. Pierre, let me ask you this. Um, you mentioned the UN. Uh, what about the United States? What is uh, their position or view or perhaps even involvement in all this? Yes, definitely. I mentioned the UN because the official occupation of Haiti that's, that's taking place right now is under a UN umbrella called uh, UN mission called BNU, 
B-I-N-U-H. However, the U.S., that serves as a cover, as a fig leaf. The U.S., this is really U.S. foreign policy at work. Same, same way that it was with Minusta and Minu just before. But they used that as the kind of legal or the legal cover for it. And so they had invested money into so-called disarmament. But the disarmament was just a term that was used, according to most Haitian observers, to the Haitian people, to finance, to funnel money, to, to fund these, these armed groups, this federation of gangs. And so they are doing the work of repressing the population, of preventing people from demanding their rights, when people take to the streets to demand sovereignty for Haiti, to demand that they, that they as tax-paying citizens of Haiti, receive services that their money is supposed to provide them, such as health care, education, clean water, uh, decent living conditions, uh, better wages in their employment, then they send out that, those death squads to massacre the population, kill the people. And so that's what's going on. And Jimmy Cherizier is a former policeman, and the group that's been recently involved in, in um, the massacre of, um, of Bel Air and has been involved in other massacres is called Craché Diffé, which in English would, would translate roughly into Spitfire. And basically they, they, they work together with Cherizier. They are part of that G9 coalition, and they go around killing people, burning houses. In Bel Air, for example, according to various the latest figures that I was able to, to see, uh, over eight people were identified as, as being killed. There are a number of others who people think, who people know are under the ruins and who, who haven't been uh, the ruins of their burned homes. People haven't identified them. There is another group of people were taken alive as hostages by the, the G9 of Cherizier and taken away from Bel Air, who nobody knows what has happened to them, and quite a few others wounded. So the figures aren't out. Um, people are still trying to determine how many total, because there are areas of Bel Air where the massacre has occurred that many people cannot go to um, because the G9 is still operating in that area and may and at any moment will. Uh, target whether you are press or resident in the area who's trying to come back. So what the result has been is a number of people, and I mentioned, let me mention that uh, one of the figures I saw was over 18 houses burned to the ground, but there are more. But the team that was there looking into this could not go further because they were afraid for their safety as they ventured in other areas that were under attack. What this has done, it has resulted in many people fleeing their homes. Men, women, and children uh, have fled their homes, or sleeping in parks, in the streets, and being totally... Can you imagine one of the um, uh, concrete examples I'll give you of the devastation and what has occurred? There, there is this um, bakery place where the people in the community would buy their bread, and this, it serves as a general store. Now, Thursday, April 1st, people are there working. Bread is made, uh, bread is sold to people, and what have you, thriving community business. And within an instant, 
this group attacks burns the place to the ground. Now a family that used to thrive on its own and, and do its business and provide services and goods for the population, like bread, suddenly it's gone, evaporated, and these people are out there. This happened, this massacre, this latest massacre, Bel Air is right there in downtown Port-au-Prince, near the National Palace. Totally, and you've been to Haiti, Margaret, you know the area. There are so many militarized, specialized police um, outposts throughout this area. And all of this massacre is taking place. People are calling the police. Not one police officer shows up. And, and, um, and actually, I've heard reports that the, the death squad, that the G9, had with, with them tear gas. Now, tear gas in Haiti is not something you walk in a store and buy. Same as the bullets and all the ammunition and all those sophisticated weapons that they were using. This tear gas particularly is something that only the police receives. How can this, this gang, this federation of gangs, have access to the tear gas that they were using so liberally? I mean, it wasn't just like one. It was being used as if they were police officers and using it everywhere. So um, same way that when you were there in Haiti and you had gone to La Saline and you had witnessed this, you were on the spot where this pregnant woman was burned alive. Well, there is a 74, I believe 74, some people have said 78-year-old man who was sick in his bed. And according to various reports, they stopped him. They went to his house. When I said they, the G9 went to that house, stopped the man, and set fire to the home, burning him alive. And this man, and this is, it's horrific. There's a video of his body. It's, it's so many other um, crimes like this that have occurred, from young people, young adolescents, all the way to a 78-year-old, uh, uh, 86-year-old woman was thrown from her home onto the ground and dragged to the streets until people were able to put a stop to it at some point. There was, there was a response from the residents in the community. And so many atrocities like that that, that took place on April 1st, Holy Thursday. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Pierre, just, uh, it, you know, in so many ways unimaginable, but it does, it has happened and it is happening right now, what you have described by these uh, death squads. And for our listeners uh, across the country, uh, please know that U.S. tax dollars are implicated with this. I mean, the Trump administration, shortly before he left, sent millions of dollars down to the Moise uh, government. For what? For tear gas, as well as for weapons. So Pierre Lavoisier, who knows, the tear gas uh, being used by the uh, this death squad in the community of Bel Air very well might have been paid for by tax dollars of uh, you and I and people uh, listening right now. But um, Pierre Labossier also, I mean, La Saline uh, traditionally was a center of resistance, of, of uh, people um, 
you know, standing for freedom, standing for democracy. A lot of Haitians say trying to complete uh, the revolution uh, that of, of 1804. But uh, Bel Air, tell us a bit about uh, Bel Air, because I have been there. I've been there uh, with you also, our assistant uh, producer, Romero Funes, uh, with us. He was um, with me on a couple of the trips, uh, including down in La Saline. But tell us about Bel Air. Is that community also uh, a stronghold of resistance to this particular government, Pierre Bassier? Yes. Yes. Bel Air, like Cité Vincent, Tokyo, uh, different areas that were also hit, that were also Cité Soleil, that have also been attacked and continue to be attacked by the G9. Bel Air is a long, long established community where, uh, according to some reports, that there was, uh, um, it, it's been, it's been just a community well established. It's a working class community where the people through, through, throughout the entire history of Haiti have always stood up for their rights, have never stopped demanding that their rights be respected, have always uh, advocated for themselves. And so right now, that they, are the, they continue to be targeted. Even during the Papa Doc Duvalier era, Bel Air had stood up with former uh, President Daniel Fignolet, who was a, a progressive president, even though he was only allowed to stay in power for 14 days, but he was quite a leader, and, and the people of Bel Air really supported him. And they were massacred by the Haitian military. There was a massacre committed there, which paved the way for Papa Doc to come in power. So it's a place with a tradition of standing up because of the demanding improving improve living conditions, better living conditions for their people. It's a stronghold, as you mentioned, of Lavalas, because Lavalas was dealing with issues that affect the daily lives of the people of Haiti and implementing policies to better the lives of the people of Bel Air, the people of Cité Soleil, Cité Vincent, Tokyo, and all those various communities, La Saline and every place. And that's why you see People in Haiti are saying, no, we will not accept dictatorship. We will not tolerate that. We want our, the vision we have for a better Haiti, the vision we have for a Haiti of justice, a Haiti of economic justice. And without exclusion, without social uh, exclusion, without economic exclusion, a Haiti where Haitians will no longer have to be fleeing as refugees to come and to be uh, humiliated and treated in any kind of way and then sent back to, to the hell that the U.S. and the U.N. occupation have turned Haiti into. So um, that's the community of Bel Air, and that's why they are being attacked. But despite this attack, this is the fourth massacre that has occurred in Bel Air by the G9. Despite these attacks, people fight back. I mentioned the 86-year-old woman who was rescued. Well, people have rocks. They threw rocks. Now imagine rocks against guns and tear gas of a highly trained um, federation of gangs supported by the Haitian government and also supported and financed by the U.S. government under the, the legal um, uh, cover of the United Nations occupation. Right. So... And and, and Pierre, what you describe, I mean, just the, the fight back, the, the, the revolutionary spirit, really, and fight back and resistance and resilience 
of people at, of, of Haiti, unlike anything that I have, have seen. I'm sure it's happening also in other parts of the world. We know about what is going on in, in Burma, known as, as Myanmar, where people are really standing up. But um, Pierre, finally, we, we have to uh, wrap up. But finally, there is now increased attention um, by our friends on the left uh, around Haiti, including our friends in the black left in Haiti. However, it seems you mentioned uh, Lavalas earlier. The, the powers that be, the core group, the United States, the, the UN, Canada, it seems as though they would practically put anybody in power rather than someone from Lavalas, which means flash flood to the party of Jean-Bertrand Aristide. Uh, and I suppose they're feeling that this would be a government that they could not control, right? As when President Aristide was in, in power, that certainly was the case. And why two coups, U.S.-backed coups, were orchestrated against him. But now it seems as though the progressive left in the United States and in other parts of Western countries, including the black left, that they are also promoting other so-named uh, uh, leaders uh, selected by I don't know whom, but they also seem to be bypassing uh, Lavalas. It's just an interesting phenomena that I see happening, and I'm, I'm starting to really call it out and call it the solidarity industrial complex. I don't want to put you in any situation, Pierre. That's, that's me, right? Me, Margaret Prescott. But I'm wondering um, just some final words on the kind of confusion that is being created in people's minds about who is who on the ground in Haiti. Pierre Lobassier. Well, what you have described, Margaret, you are correct, and um, so and, and I and I support what you said. Uh, you called it exactly as it is, because what's happening it's it's um, it's the marginalization of the Haitian people, because Lavalas is not something that President Aristide or Father Aristide at the time dreamed of and say, oh, there it is, uh, you all come join me. It came from the people's movement, the people gave birth to with the majority population. And that's why any free, fair, credible election, every one of them where Lavalas was allowed to participate, overwhelmingly Lavalas was elected. And and I will quote a young woman who I was translated for at the time when she was applying for political asylum back in the mid nineties. She said no, President Harrison didn't need to campaign for for the elections. We campaign, the people campaign for him, and the people put him in office. And, and that describes the relationship. So despite everything, every marginalizing that, um, that the big powers are trying to do, it's marginalizing the people, their demands, their demands to be free, their demands for sovereignty. The, the people of Haiti, despite all the millions of dollars that, um, of the taxpayers' money, that the U.S. has spent to demonize and marginalize Lavalas from Lavalas, it remains very deeply ingrained in the hearts of the people, and the people talk about it. That's why Salipi Blick, which is the government of public safety, which is a proposal that Fermi Lavalas had presented three, about uh, in 2018, November of 2018, and that's what is gaining ground in Haiti. What it says, it calls for the movement, people, 
the population to designate honest, credible people to um, form a government of transition to address the immediate needs of the population, the need for health care, the need for housing, the need for good employment, the need for security, public safety, uh, health care, to address those needs and then lay the basis for a transition period that will, whereby there will be, at the end of that 36-month uh, transition, the basis will be laid, the foundations will be laid for elections that are honest, where the people's voice, one person, one vote, will truly be uh, implemented, and what and the government that comes out of that will be truly representative of the Haitian people. But as we see in Georgia, you have a little clique that's in the, that's at the top. It's a predatory uh, ruling class which doesn't want the people to have a seat at the table to determine, to make decisions on policies, such as how their tax money is being spent, such as the resources of Haiti, whether it will be that it should be used for the majority population, for their well-being. They just want to grab it, to take it. And that's what they call privatization, just to benefit one or two families that dominate the Haitian economy. So people in Haiti are very aware of the nature of this struggle. They are very aware of their position, and that's why people are saying, unless we resist, we will not exist. And people are very strong on this. Right. Well, Pierre Labossier, I'm afraid we are going to have to leave it there. But just to say, you know, all of us wake up because all kinds of COINTELPRO-type operations that was used against the civil rights movement, the militant black movement um, movements uh, before definitely operating on the ground in Haiti and a lot of uh, manipulation uh, going on. So, um, you know, and, and really creating a lot of uh, confusion on the part of people who may very well want to know what is happening on the ground in Haiti. So, Pierre Labossier, thank you for your work. But for people who really want to find out the truth of what's happening on the ground in Haiti and who's who, um, what website can they get information on for Haiti Action Committee? Yes, people can go to the Haiti to HaitiSolidarity.net. HaitiSolidarity.net. We're also on Facebook, uh, Haiti Action Committee Facebook, and you can get information. And I just want to add some, Margaret. You know, the, the, the gang, Crashed Diffé, the death squad, it's made entirely of former policemen. And all of those were trained by the, by the U.S. and Canada and uh, as part of the U U.N. mission. So um, this is something, the connections with the U.S., with police violence in the U.S., police killings in the U.S. is very strong. So when you see the police acting that way in Haiti, well, that's, that's exactly where they got their training, from U.S. and Canadian police. So, right. yeah. Well, Pierre Labossier, thank you so much for your just incredible work uh, for so uh, many decades. And I have seen the importance of your work, but also that people on the movement, grassroots people on the ground, they know very well who is who and who's who's doing what and how you are received when you are on the ground in Haiti. Pierre Labossier, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.